Welcome to the Chamber's Elevated Conversations podcast. And now, your host, Dave Ekman. Good morning and welcome to another podcast edition of Elevated Conversations. I'm your host, Dave Ekman. So this morning, um, we're asking uh, Will Sue from Sue Ginseng to join us in a conversation as to how his business is navigating in this pandemic. Part two of a conversation with Will Sue of Sue's Ginseng Enterprises. Yeah, and you just touched on the politics. That was going to be something that I was going to ask you more directly, that um, as we move forward and you see the, the rhetoric going back before Beijing and uh, in Washington, D.C., um, do you see a path forward in terms of, you know, and I've been with you to China, Will, and, and saw the importance yep. of your product, your specific product, the Sioux product in China. Do you see a path forward um, that, from your perspective, uh, for the countries to get along better? Uh, for the countries to get along better, um, I think you're really talking about the fact that we strategically have two different outlooks. Um, and that's on the politics side, I think it's, it really, it's really hard to understand this unless you kind of look at it from the big picture. You know, America is a great country. Uh, we're coming off a couple of generations of what some would call American exceptionalism since World War II. And China views themselves as a rising power, no different than we viewed ourselves as a rising power, um, compared to the European countries and economies post-World War II. And China views themselves as the next, I guess, America or the next great thing. And when you have that type of rivalry, um, it's like siblings. Um, one's older and more mature and more understanding, maybe more experienced, uh, but is bigger and can be a bully. And then you have a younger one who's an upstart, maybe more nimble, maybe, um, you know, growing and quicker, and they're finding ways to try to beat their bigger brother or bigger sister to um, new markets, to new technology, and they may not always play fair. You know, I have younger siblings. I always felt like they didn't play fair either, but I was bigger than them. You know, that's what my parents used to tell me. And that's how I would probably look at our relationship you know, in terms of an analogy, is that we're the bigger brother or bigger sister. Um, and your natural inclination is to kind of, you know, keep the younger younger sibling at bay. Sure. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, the other piece that I think is different in terms of perspective, you know, going back to the um, exceptionalism, is that because of our political cycle, we're very short-term in nature. You look at Wall Street, you look at, uh, you know, congressional representatives who are elected every two years. You look at, um, you know, the federal level where uh, the president and other politicians are elected every four years or on that type of cycle. China has a ruler who has been in place for a number of years and probably will be in place for a number more. Um, so they have a very much long-term perspective. And China always has had a long-term perspective. Why? U.S. has 300 and uh, not even 300 years of, you know, kind of, of history as a United States. You know, you're talking about 1776. So 250 years of history, roughly. Mm -hmm. China has 
3,000, 4,000. You know, Dave, you and I were there. Yep. 5,000 years of documented history uh, and dynasties and tribes. And everything with them is long-term. Yeah. Um, and so I think for them, they've taken a long-term view and approach to things. They'll, they'll weather this blip. They'll weather coronavirus. They'll weather COVID. They'll weather the political uh, hot potato here in the United States and mm-hmm. wait for the next administration, wait for the next cycle, uh, wait for the changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can take a long-term perspective on things based on their political structure. And the U.S. just doesn't always have that long-term outlook. You know, we think a president who's in office for eight years is a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's no end in sight into Xi Jinping's um, reign until he chooses to resign or retire or he's overthrown. Right. Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot of ground, Will. Um, let me ask you just one more question. In this pandemic and, yeah. and where we're at, uh, do you have any tidbits of advice that you can just share with uh, people as to how you're adapting your business or people even in agriculture necessarily? You know, um, what, are, what are some of the things that, that uh, ag, you know, even dairy and, and, and people that are in that sector, what should they be doing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from an ag standpoint, what I've told most of my farmers that I work with, the partners that we buy from, the ones that we've worked with, my dad has worked with for a number of years, is that we'll uh, we'll find outlets for the product. You know, the demand is still there. It's just that the price may not be what you want it to be. Uh, and what that means is you got to find ways to save money. You may have to either decrease acreage or maintain acreage. Um, you need to be more efficient. You need to manage your costs. And for some of our other farmers, it may mean that they're going to reduce um, their production. It may mean looking at retirement, um, how you exit from the industry, uh, stop planting, because this product takes you three to five years to reach maturity. If you choose to stop planting in 2020, you probably won't actually be out of the cycle or out of uh, growing this crop for another three to four years. So you really have to have a long-term view on this product and on the industry. Uh, so if you think that you want to be around five years from now, you still have to plan and cover your costs and maybe take out some debt, if that's really your plan, is to be here in five years. But if your plan isn't to be here in five years and you're planning on retiring or leaving or exiting or transitioning the business uh, or the farm, now might be the right time to start that planning. And this might be the impetus to get some people to rethink what they're going to be doing five years down the road. Um, for us, you know, as one of the larger farms, yeah, we're rethinking everything. We're changing our labor force. We're looking at machinery and technology. Um, we're trying to change our business model a little bit on the agriculture and farming side so that we're a little bit less reliant on jinxing, but we're still growing a monoculture. You know, we're not going to go out and grow hemp or other cash crops, uh, corn and beans. There's enough folks doing that. We're good at growing jinxing. We're going to continue growing jinxing because that's what we're good at. So it doesn't change our core competencies. And I think that's true for anyone who's trying to weather this pandemic, whether short term or long term or the next bump in the road is figure out what you're good at. And you just got to find a way to get better at it. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, so some of our farm partners, unfortunately, yeah, they probably will exit. This might be the end of the line for them. 
and it's just finding a way to exit gracefully and pay off debt and have money left over hopefully at the end uh, um, so that it doesn't leave a bitter taste in your mouth like the last cycle did you know 15 or 20 years ago for some of the farmers sure. um, for the business side you know what I've been telling my friends and folks that I've been commiserating with over the state of the economy and the situation is we'll get through it we'll see the other side of this but the the playing field is going to be very different the competition is going to be very different uh, we're pivoting a lot of our businesses. We're trying to find ways to be more nimble. We're moving more stuff online. You know, some of the strongest parts of our business right now are online marketplaces. And I'm trying to figure out better ways to work with other farms and farmers, not only to move Jinxing and their products into our supply chain, uh, which is more reliant on online and e-commerce, but, you know, ideally, if I'm not doing this job five, ten years from now because business is great and someone else is running this business, I want to work with local farmers to figure out better ways to get their product to, product to market because I've seen the supply chain and logistics um, that goes into ginseng. It's actually much longer for ginseng than it is for a lot of the other local farmers who are growing other crops. Uh, and part of me says, if we can charge this type of premium and value in processing and distributing product direct to consumers, why haven't other specialty crops, CSAs, small farmers, mm-hmm. figure out, you know, that uh, figure out how to tackle the exact same problem? Um, Jinxing, because of the way it was structured, and it's just systematically requires more processing, more labor, and a much longer supply chain because of how long it takes to grow and where the markets are and where the consumers are. Um, You know, I'm looking at farmers who live miles down the road from me, if not on the farm next to where we're growing ginseng, and how long it takes their product to reach market. And you're talking about either fresh or, you know, consumable within a month type of products that have a hard time reaching consumers. Mm-hmm. Now, Jason has the benefit of that it can be dried and stored for many years, but our supply chain and logistics is much longer. You know, we send our product over to China for processing because we have a processing facility there. We bring it back to the United States for final sale and distribution. And someone might buy it here in the U.S. from an online retailer such as us or direct to a store and then bring it back to China. So there's demand, no different than the demand that I might have for a dozen, you know, farm fresh eggs. But why do I have to go to the grocery store to get those farm fresh eggs when there's a farmer five miles down the road from me? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what has, what is it about our value as a consumer economy that has so dramatically changed in the last 50 or 60 years that farm products aren't valuable anymore? Um, and so is that, is that because of the processing? Is that where all the value add? And I come from a processing background. You know, I worked for General Mills for a decade before moving back here. So I understand the value that can be unlocked in food processing and convenience and packaged items. Totally get that. But there's also part of that that the packaging and the convenience is also because you're trying to find ways to preserve products. Um, there is something about fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, fresh farm produce that inherently needs to have more value built into our consumer economy. Mm-hmm. And we do it with ginseng. So probably next week, Dave, we'll be digging 
uh, an acre of fresh ginseng and shipping it and UPSing it to, uh, and using FedEx and other logistics to send it to consumers all over the United States. And I look at that and I say, if I can do that for thousands of pounds of fresh ginseng, what is prohibiting us other than the consumer value and perception from doing that with other farm produce? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the challenge that ag and farmers are going to have in a consumer-driven economy is how do you solve that problem? And if I weren't doing my day job right now at Sue's and trying to figure out how to weather COVID-19 and the pandemic in front of me for our customers and employees, that's the problem I would try to be sol- try to be solving for farmers here in this community. All right. Will, uh, we've taken a lot of your time, but you've imparted so much knowledge and wisdom. I um, want to thank you for that and wish you the best. And as we uh, emerge from this, if there's anything that our organization can do f- for you in the meantime, you let us know. But thank you for everything that you do in this community and um and for all the work that you do for wisconsin economy too so will thanks for your time today yeah thanks for your time dave appreciate it okay thank you yep bye-bye that was will sue um second generation of sue ginseng here in marathon county uh will's a tremendous uh, asset in, in the greater wausau community a, f- a family that's committed to its organization and its people, its product globally. So I want to thank Will um, for his time this morning and wish all of you the best. Thank you. This podcast episode is a production of the Greater Wausau Chamber of Commerce.